number three, Pete Callender here. Thanks a lot for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Hope you're having a great day. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and uh, hit me up on the Twitter machine uh, at Pete Callender. So, uh, yeah, three quarters of a percentage point. The interest rate just got jacked by the Fed. Highest rate, I believe, since uh, it was like 2008 or so. Dow Jones uh, down like 130 points or so. And uh, which is uh, weird uh, because I was under the impression that the Inflation Reduction Act fixed all of this. What what happened? Amish dude on Twitter pointing out, yeah, what was the point of the Inflation Reduction Act? Oh, that's right. It was for the climate change. Right. Um, well, no, I mean, come on. Look, the all right, it just went up like an inch. Right. Like that's the economic term that Joe Biden introduced us to uh, in his uh, interview with with uh, CBS's 60 Minutes, talking about inflation, right? So the 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 0.75 increase, it just it just went up an inch, or or the Dow Jones dropping, it's it's just like an inch, it just dropped an inch. Well, it seems like a lot larger than that. Well, then just take the the graph and move it farther away, and it will look like a smaller dip. You see, that's how that's the Bidenomics lesson of the day. All right, so. Uh, we're talking about uh, all of the stories. The hysterical uh, segment of our society is very, very anxious about book banning in schools because uh, your kid cannot be educated, apparently, unless they read about the oral sex. That's uh, that's the lesson here. Your kid has to read Looking for Alaska, I think is the name of the book. They have to read it. It must not be taken off of shelves in middle and high schools because... Your child needs to read the scene depicting the oral sex. And if you don't want your child to read that, uh, then that means you're a bigot. Not kidding. This is where it is. So in Oklahoma, for example, this is uh, according to the story at inthenow.com. In Oklahoma, a teacher recently resigned after she was forced to either box up problematic books, turn them around so that the spines faced inward, or cover them with butcher paper. So, like they told her, obviously, like, you've got books in here that are objectionable. Parents don't like these books that you're trying to offer to their kids. So you got some options. You got three options. You can take them off the shelves, right, box them up. Or you could turn them around so you can't read the spines of the books. But you can, I guess, ostensibly, like the kid could go up there and take the book off the shelf and turn it around and look at it, right? They could still do that. Or you could, uh, you know, cover them up like a, you know, like we used to do back in the olden times when you would cover your textbooks. Do they even still do that nowadays? Do you cover the textbooks? No? You did? Yeah. So millennial, Bernie, the resident millennial uh, on staff, he he says he did. Um because I think you got to have actual textbooks, right? And then you have to return. That was always the deal. You would, so we would get the paper bags from the grocery store. Which what did the last generation do? Did you did you cover your books with the plastic bags? No, you had to get the. Yeah, they made book covers. That's no. That's like that's like that's how rich the society has become. Where like oh no, we're not going to reuse the that grocery bag. We're going to uh, make our own. 
Well, I should say we I remember the book cover. We had some of those in in our high school. They had some I forget where like I got one of them at some point and I want to say it was like a junior or senior in high school it was the first time I'd ever encountered it and I think it was sponsored they had all these ads on it, you know, for like local businesses like the Booster Club had put them out or something and somehow or another I got one of these book covers and I realized like hey, I like it better if I turn it inside out basically and wrap it the other way because then it's just a nice clean white book and I could draw on it. Because that's what I did with my book covers. I would draw all over the book covers. Um, anyway, so that's what we used to do. So she wouldn't even do that. This teacher in Oklahoma would not even do that. She would not cover the book. She would not turn it around, and she or she would not take it off the shelf. So she quit. So she quit. If I can't make your kid read this book, I quit. And you're going to tell me that you're going to tell me we don't have activists in the ranks of K-12 education? Give me a break. Of course we do. And parents know this, and that's why the pushback is occurring. Parents aren't picking this fight. They're reacting to the fight. They are responding to the fight. You have brought the culture wars to them. They are aware of it now, and they are fighting back. That's what this looks like. The other team gets a turn at bat. That's what's occurring. The, the article goes on to say, unfortunately, book banning and censorship aren't the only trials hardworking teachers are facing. Oh, censorship in the classroom is the other one that they're like, I can't believe it. Like, I can't say what I believe. I can't speak my truth. Like, you know how many teachers I had that I knew anything about their personal lives? You know how many, like in the course of my K-12 career, you know how many I knew anything about their, like two, two. You know why? Because one was the mom and one was the daughter. It's the only reason I knew. They were both teachers at my high school. Mrs. Munno and Ms. Munno. And they and everybody knew. And, oh, I'm sorry. I also knew that one of my teachers got married because her name changed one year. That's it. And I had her in one class for, like, an English class, and then I had her in another year for another class, and her last name had changed. And so I knew that... She had gotten married. And that's the extent of what I knew of the personal lives of my teachers in K-12 education. As it should be. I don't need to know anything about your truth. I don't need to know who you're stooping. I don't. You do not need to tell me that. I do not validate your sexual identity, your, your peccadilloes, your preferences. The child student is not there to validate who you're sleeping with and your life choices. That's not the role of the student. If you need that kind of validation, join a support group. Seriously. So the story, sorry, goes on to say, unfortunately, book banning and censorship. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, and the censorship angle. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe conservatives don't have the softest shoulder for you to cry on on this score. What with being, you know, censored and fired and canceled all over the place. So they're, they're probably not going to be as sympathetic to your plight here, okay? Especially when you work in a job that the government forces the conservatives to send their kids to you, right? The government says you got to send your kid to this K-12 school, and then, oh, and by the way, the teacher is going to seek validation for their uh, sexual proclivities with your kid, and they're going to try to make your kid read these books that have all sorts of stuff in there that you find objectionable, Right. Even their classroom decor is being scrutinized now and politically weaponized. Yeah, because some teachers post stuff in their classroom that's also objectionable. Because, again, 
They're trying to promote certain things. They're projecting certain images to the students in order to get the students to ask them questions about certain things. And while, yes, that is sort of under the umbrella of education, teachers are using that in order to advance ideas because there are activists in your ranks. There are several ways that this was the very helpful conclusion of the piece. There are several ways that parents and school administrators can advocate for the teachers who continue to push through various challenges in their classroom, despite the mental health toll it could take on them. Oh, for crying out loud, the mental health toll, like everything is a mental health crisis. Now everything is trauma inducing resistance to pressure builds strength or Suck it up. Just because you are in a particular profession where maybe you don't get challenged in what you say by the people that you deal with all the time doesn't mean that you are immune from such criticisms. And again, maybe I'm not the uh, softest shoulder to cry on here because in my line of work, I get this all the time. (laughs) So maybe, maybe I'm not the best person to ask about this. See, it seems some folks had obviously different relationships with their teachers than I did with mine. Like Jay, for example, he sends me this email to Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Pete, I went to a Grateful Dead show with my psychology teacher in 12th grade. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I have never <clears throat> I have never gone to a dead show uh, with a teacher, with any of my teachers. Uh, One time I saw a professor of mine out at the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet, and uh, I forgot his name. Then I called him the wrong name. And he was with some friends. It was probably embarrassing. I didn't know enough to be embarrassed, so I apologized later on. Stuart Haas was his name. He had passed away, died in a car accident, but uh, he was a Winthrop professor. And uh, for some reason, I don't even know why I called him. I don't even remember the name. I think I called him... It was another name of another professor who I didn't even have, which was weird. Anyway, um, Tim says, Pete, channeling Waylon Jennings. Tell me one more time, just so as I'll understand, why do we keep funding a totally broken public school system that teaches CRT, LGBT plus QIA issues, fails to teach basic math, reading, critical thinking while teaching students to hate one another? All right, well, there, there are a couple reasons, I think, right? Number one, it's... Status quo, it's an entrenched institution, and uh, that carries with it certain characteristics, right? Like People have affinity for it because they remember their time in school. There are uh, people that are dependent on it for their livelihoods, and jeopardizing that in any perceived way creates backlash, political backlash, for the folks that are, quote, in charge of the system, but really aren't. Um, you have, you know, this entire model that's been built up over a hundred years. It's very, very difficult to dismantle something like that. And that's why, and I understand that. And that's why my compromise position is vouchers. I understand people don't want that to change. I understand they are wedded to the model. They are more interested in preserving the status quo than in trying to, you know, make sure that the education is for the child. I understand that. Oh, Pete, you're going to reframe. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. 
That is an unfair framing of it. Um, no, they want all of the kids to be stupid. That's the, that's the actual... No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just doing to you what you do to the parents who object to what you're doing, right? right? Assume the worst motive. Argue in bad faith. Now, I understand that there are people that had a great K-12 experience. There are people that are really great teachers. And the students that they have in their classes get real benefit, which is why I'm a voucher guy. If you want to send your kid to those classes, to those schools, to take advantage of that education, you should be able to do so. I'm fine with the government competing against private schools, but there's got to be competition because that model doesn't work for everybody. It just doesn't. People learn differently. They learn at different paces. And the K-12 model does not do a good job of providing those options. Special needs kids have been, uh, parents have been uh, dealing with this for a very long time. Kids with special needs can't get the same kinds of resources at the K-12 schools, depending on where they are. So they're constantly trying to find a better school and better teachers and all of that, trying to get into various schools and various classes. So uh, let me see. Oh, I don't have enough time. All right. So I will do this. The other day, uh, Mark Garrison, the news director here at WBT, uh, he did a story about a disruption that occurred uh, at a Moms for Liberty meeting. Okay, they uh, this was earlier in the month. They were at a local pizzeria, and uh, they were I think I know where Pure Pizza on Central Avenue, Pure Pizza, and this is what the left does in their cancellation campaigns. All right, and in this case, there were two members. Uh, or two activists, rather, uh, who went after members of the Moms for Liberty group. They tried to crash their event. They tried to videotape who was there, try to see who was there, get names, do head counts, disrupt their meeting, right? Because all is justified when your opponents are pure evil, right? When when your opponents are bigots, there isn't really any kind of tactic that gets off limits, right? So we'll listen to Mark's report and uh, we'll also get into the uh, the piece that one of the activists wrote over at the left wing Queen City Nerve QCNerve.com. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so uh, the other day, Mark Garrison did a story about a protest that uh, erupted, or a confrontation, I guess, that erupted at a local meeting of the Moms for Liberty chapter, and uh, here is that report. Start tonight with the Charlotte at 6 exclusive. With the ongoing battleground of public schools and parental involvement, this story is fascinating. There was an ugly scene last night at a Charlotte pizza restaurant. A meeting of concerned parents was disrupted, and police were called. A group called Moms for Liberty had booked the restaurant for a private meeting, but a couple of loud activists showed up. One of them, Pamela Grundy. She told me why she can't stand the parents' group. I believe that Moms for Liberty is a profoundly dangerous and un-American group. I was very dissatisfied that they were meeting in my neighborhood. So when I learned they were having a meeting, I said, I want to go, and what I wanted to know was how many people were there. Well, did Pamela Grundy just want a head count of the Moms for Liberty meeting, or did she plan to disrupt it? 
Grundy describes herself as an activist. She showed up with at least one other woman at Pure Pizza. She was told the restaurant was closed for the Moms for Liberty meeting, but apparently would not leave. She lied and said that she was just going to the bathroom. She was not told by the staff that that she could sit there, and she was repeatedly asked by the staff to leave, and she refused. That's Brooke Weiss. She is the local Moms for Liberty chapter president. Now, Pamela Grundy claims the staff did not ask her to leave. Brooke Weiss says she also introduced herself and explained to Grundy that the restaurant was closed. Grundy and her companion did go outside the restaurant, where this video shows they shouted at people who pulled up, telling one guy that white men are rapists. You're against rape, and you know who's I doing it? White, white men! Yeah. White men are rapists. Yeah, that yeah, but you're, you're hiding Yeah, serious. So that- and she was harassing people that were pulling up to, to park and get their takeout food. Um, as the people would, would get out of their car, she would scream at them that there's a bunch of racists inside and not to go inside. And that happened to multiple people. While Grundy denies harassing customers, she and her friend did leave the property before CMPD officers arrived. So the question I asked Grundy, why do you think you can harass a group you don't like? Basically, you've got a group that you don't agree with politically and you're harassing them is what it comes down to, it seems like. No. Well, that might be what it seems, but that is not true. We did not harass. We did not go with the intention to harass. All I wanted to know is how many people were there. And then anything that ensued had to do with the fact that they were unable to tolerate. Now, Grundy denies that she took pictures of people in the restaurant who attended the meeting. But she makes no apology for disrupting the meeting because she really dislikes Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty, they are seeking to ban books that deal with the realities of young people's lives, books that were chosen by staff members and students. Now, Moms for Liberty did complain to CMS last year when ninth graders were required to read a graphic, sexually explicit book without parents being told. We've reported on that in the past. This is just a small clip from the audio version of that book. Uh I let Anthony Miller take off my shirt so that he can see what he's touching. His hands are hungry to touch me. When he touches me down there, feels like a pen jamming onto a top. There was a rape scene in the book that was very graphic, a lot of use of the N-word as well. Much of the book we could not play on the radio. So when parents complained about it last year, CMS backed off and gave kids an alternative to read. Brooke Weiss with Moms for Liberty says they are not trying to ban books. They just think parents need to be involved and have a choice. You know, I I believe in a parent's fundamental right to direct all upbringing of their children and make their own decisions. So if another parent wants and has no problem with their child reading sexually explicit, you know, very graphic material, that that's up to them. But I, I don't. But Pamela Grundy, who disrupted last night's private meeting of Moms for Liberty, does not agree with the group's views. And they are abusive towards CMS, towards the, I mean, basically towards the school system. And I think it's appalling. So last night's disruption of a private meeting raises some fundamental questions. Just because you don't agree with someone, should you crash their meeting, call people names, and then leave before the cops show up? I hope they have been revealed for what they are. That is not why I went. But 
I hope that that ends up being the result. I think they would say in response, they hope you are revealed for what you are. I have absolutely no problem with being revealed for what I am. I am completely comfortable with that. I, they know who I am. Yes, they know who Pamela Grundy is now. But Brooke Weiss with Moms for Liberty says Grundy's actions amounted to trespass and represent a frightening effort to stifle a group she disagrees with. To me, the issue that somebody who doesn't like you decides to crash your private gathering is a little chilling. I, I yeah, I don't agree with the tactics. You know, I I, I it was really hateful last night. Um, people were worried. Um, you know, for for their safety, to be honest. I think what she's doing is dangerous, and it drives more divisiveness and hate, and that's just not not what we need. Now, Grundy and her friend left Pure Pizza before Charlotte police showed up. Officers did arrive. They did not write a report on the incident. Grundy, it should be noted, is a supporter of Carol Sawyer, who's running for another term on the school board. Apparently, Sawyer criticized Grundy's actions in an online thread. But it's certainly clear there are people who do not like conservative parents getting involved in the school system. But Brooke Weiss says her group will not back down. All right, so that was Mark Garrison's report from a couple of days ago. Uh, Obviously, a couple of things stand out. Grundy calls... The Moms for Liberty group dangerous and un-American and said she was concerned that they were meeting in, quote, my neighborhood. And then she claims she just wanted a head count. Why would you need a head count? Right. The, the group goes down and talks at the CMS board meetings pretty regularly. Why do you need a head count of their meeting? So, by the way, I, so no, I don't believe I don't believe that story. I don't. I, I don't believe that explanation for why you wanted to go there. I don't think you went there just for a head count. I think you went there to cause problems. You, and this is one of the things that drives me nuts. If you go looking for a fight, you don't get to play victim when you find the fight. When you pick it and it comes to you, you're not the victim. But she also seems to be carrying a bit of a martyr complex. <laughs> I, I'm going to expose these people. For what? Because they disagree with your curriculum choices? She cannot tolerate disagreement. That's what this comes down to. She cannot tolerate parents who have a different opinion about what the kids should be learning in the government-mandated school. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, let me get uh, Spencer on the program. Hello, Spencer. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine, Pete. How are you? I am doing all right. What's going on? Okay. Three things. Would you want your teenager to read a book by Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451? It's about censorship, book burning. That would be okay for a 12-year-old, 14-year-old. 15-year-old, but when that book was first published, it floundered until it was serialized in a magazine and then the following year, and then it took off. Um, would you want your 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old to read 
Fahrenheit 451 in a magazine, well, yeah, that would be that would be okay. But the magazine that it was serialized in was 1954 issues of Playboy. Now, would you want your 15, 16, 17-year-old son to read Fahrenheit 451 in Playboy? Would they really read it, or would they be interested in something else? No, I, I thought everyone was always interested in the articles in Playboy. Now, my, that's my point here. <laughs> uh, there are certain things that are appropriate in the library and certain things that are not appropriate in the library. And I don't think Playboy magazine would be appropriate in a, a high school library, much less a grammar school library. Right. Well, I will tell you, one time uh, I did have to find, uh, this was back in the old days, right, <laughs> where you uh, uh, you didn't have the interweb, and uh, I, I'd come across a citation. I was doing a, a report in college for, um, uh, it was a, a report about Bob Dylan, and um, yeah. I came across a citation of an interview that he did in Playboy. And so I went to our college library, and you had to go to the counter. You had to go up to the counter and you had to ask the librarian for a copy of the magazine. And remember, they had the like those plastic binders or whatever they had, yep. where they would put the magazines in them. And this one, yep. it was blacked out. They had a blacked out cover on it, so you couldn't see. But they had it labeled on the side, so they knew what edition it was. But they, the, but the librarians didn't have to look at it. And so I asked for this edition, and uh, so she gave it to me. And I opened it up to see if it was the correct date. And she's like, you could take that back to your desk. I don't need to see that. I said, oh, <laughs> sorry. Like, I, it didn't even dawn on me because, like, I literally went there to get this for the – and I assumed that they had cut the pictures out. I, I just assumed that. But they didn't. They, the pictures were in there. So in a college level, yeah, you could get access to it. But even there, you had to go to the desk and ask the librarian for it because they kept it set aside. And you had to sign for it. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, your your name your name was on there forever. Right. And and so maybe, you know, there's also, you know, they they don't want people stealing their their nudie mags. I mean, I guess that's probably also <laughs> part of it. Um that if you just leave these books on the shelves, people will steal them, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um and yeah. so there's a there are a couple reasons why you would put that material uh behind the desk. I don't think it's inappropriate to say uh that there there are age appropriate materials. And that parents uh, should have input into, you know, whether or not their kids should be able to get access to that stuff. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Spencer, I appreciate it. Thanks for the illustration. Sure. All right, man. Um, It's funny, too. I had a teacher uh, in uh, high school who went to uh, K-12, I guess, high school. He went to high school with Ray Bradbury. Mr. Merrow was his name. He was a science teacher. And uh, Ray Bradbury was one of his, I want to say, I want to say it was high school, but it might, yeah, I guess it had to have been K-12 because he told the story about how they uh, saw, like every day, some teacher or principal, every single day they would uh, watch this guy get out of his car and he always took the same path into the school. And so uh, one night they uh, took a bunch of paint and they made a, uh, like a template of footprints and they put, footprints right from his parking spot and they painted footsteps on his normal path but then they veered off his path and they walked him to the flagpole 
and then they put the footprints right up the flagpole. And he would never tell us how they did that. That was the story he told. And when they watched him the next morning, he got out of his car and he just stared down and he saw the footprints. And so he just followed them because they were on his normal path and he just kept walking and he walked right to the flagpole and he ended up staring up at the pole. And somehow or another, they got busted and they got in trouble for it. Um, So on this disruption of the Moms for Liberty group at the pizzeria by Pam Grundy and uh, uh, her compatriots there, why did she do it? If she didn't do it to get a head count... Well, this isn't the first time a Moms for Liberty chapter has been targeted by K-12 activists, education activists. A.P. Dillon at North State Journal wrote about how this latest incident marks the second time in recent months that activists have tried to cancel such an event. Earlier this year, a progressive activist named Katherine Johnson targeted a happy hour event that was organized by Wake County Moms for Liberty, which was supposed to be held at a restaurant that I'm not going to name. And this woman, this activist, Katherine Johnson, got them canceled. She and, and we know this because she put out a video, I believe on TikTok. Yeah, there it is. TikTok. Uh, and she bragged about how it was her that did it. And I suspect that was really the point. I suspect the purpose was to get Moms for Liberty Charlotte chapter banned from the restaurant, to get them uh, canceled so they could not meet. This is what we're dealing with. People cannot rationally, unemotionally have a discussion about policy. We are being governed by the most hysterical and neurotic Portions of our population. It's got to stop. All right. Brett Winterbull's up next. Stick around. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.